Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Lord, I'm, uh, church, I'll be honest with you. Um, uh, the, the, the events that are happening in the world, the events that are happening in our community, in our country, and the events that are happening in our church uh, are weighing on my heart greatly. Just be very transparent. They say that, um, that pastors shouldn't be quite transparent because it makes you too vulnerable. Well, if I'm too vulnerable, maybe that's why some people can't follow my leadership because I'm just open. I'm just honest with you. I'm, I've got a relationship with the Lord and I'm close to the Lord. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I, I'm vulnerable just like you. I, I, wear, I get up every morning and the enemy comes against me and the thoughts and the strongholds try to raise up in my mind and I have to fall before the Lord and pray and ask him to help me. And, and uh, these events that are happening in church is really, I think, combined with a time of fasting and praying. We're in our 21 days of fasting. We finished the first week today. I hope you all are doing well. But the fact of the matter is I'm feeling a weightiness uh, on my life for this church, a burden for this church. And I want you to know that I am praying for you, and I want to encourage you. And it's interesting that the message that God has laid on my heart today is, is He laid on it, my heart, Tuesday. I actually had it ready by Wednesday, and then the events that happened in our nation, plus everything that's happened with people in our church, in and out of the hospital, losing a loved one that's very dear to our church. As you know, Karen Miles, if you don't, passed away, went on to glory. And it's just a weightiness, but uh, I'm here to tell you and remind you just what that song says. God is faithful. God is good. He's still on the throne. He's not caught off guard. He's not in heaven wringing his hands wondering what is he going to do with this world situation. I promise you, if you'll just trust in him, put your faith in him, keep your eyes up on him, he's not going to let you down. Amen? Come on, I need a stronger amen in that. I'll amen myself. Amen? Come on, that's 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 that's. Truth right from the, the Word of God. So, if you would this morning, if you'll turn to Book of Judges, we're going to start in Chapter Two. We're going to primarily stay in Chapter Six, but as you do, uh, I'm going to invite. Um, I call him affectionately, call him Hefe. If you don't know who Hefe is, he is Brother Glenn. He's a confidant of mine, a friend of mine. He came in my office this morning and shared something that the Lord laid on his heart, and I immediately, when I heard it, said, "Can you share that with the church?" I think this is a timely. Uh, the God laid on his heart, timely word for our church. I'm going to invite him, if he would, come on f- up front here and uh, just share his heart for a moment. I think it goes with everything that's happening right now in our service, with all that we're saying, all that's been said and done. And, of course, it, it loosely, but you'll see how it ties into my message this morning as well. Brother Glenn, take your, your liberty here this morning. Come stand right here behind this sacred pulpit. <laughs> uh, I've been perplexed not knowing what direction God was going. With all that was going on, I've been praying, been talking with the pastor, he's been praying, God, give us directions. And one night this week, God spoke to my heart early in the morning. And he, he said, Glenn, he said, the church in the situation you're in is like the children of Israel when they were standing between Pharaoh and the Red Sea. Pharaoh represents the fears, the anxiety and stuff from 2020. And then you look toward the Red Sea and it represents 2021 and we don't know what it holds. 
in the middle of all the chaos, can you imagine as they're seeing all the Pharaoh's army coming, the chaos of them, Moses stood up and he says, God said this, be still, be still, and know that I am God. Yeah. Amen. You know, instead of us trying to fix everything and worrying about and dodging, trying to keep healthy, we need to be focusing on Him. Amen. Amen. Put our eyes on Him. Yes. And you know what's so cool about God? The way of escape that He made for them was also how He destroyed their enemy. Absolutely. God is faithful. We need to focus on Him during these times. Amen. God is moving. God is moving in a special way. Praise God. Amen. Give God praise, church. I believe, look, we are, we are, we are Pentecostal. I don't wear that as a badge. I don't wear that as a medal. It's just the fact that we believe in the, in the, uh, the full gospel. We believe in the gifts. And I believe that's a word from the Lord for us today. And I think as we look at this story today we're about to jump into, I think that you will sense, and I'm going to need you to get behind me this morning, okay? I know it's cold, it's gloomy outside, there's a spirit of despair over our nation right now, but I need you to get behind me this morning and engage the word of the Lord. Amen? Well, are you in Judges chapter 2 yet? I hope you are. I want to welcome everybody online this morning. Uh, you may be aware of this, you may not be aware of it, but uh, we are now streaming our praise and worship online. So if you usually come in person and you miss a Sunday, know that it's a week delay, but you can hear them. It may mean God needs you to hear that message twice, whatever it was that I spoke that Sunday. But you can watch it online, you get the full experience with the praise and worship. And you watching this morning, you know that because this is the second week that we've done it. But I want to speak directly for a moment to those who are watching online, those who cannot be with us in person for whatever reason. Maybe you live in a different part of the country. Maybe it's because you're sick. Maybe because you're staying away because of COVID-19. And I just want to speak to your hearts for just a moment. This is, uh, this is very real to me today. Um, I want to encourage you, don't watch church this morning. I don't want you to watch this service this morning. I want you to engage this service this morning. There's a difference between watching and participating. And I want to encourage you, if you're watching online every week, every Wednesday, we put our Bible studies, engage. That means what do you do? Turn your TV off unless you're watching me on your TV. Yeah, put things away that are distracting you today. If you got your coffee, that's great. But don't be on Facebook while you're watching or listening, doing those other things or engaging in other people and texting. Take this time. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, your Sabbath day. Set it aside. Remember it. Keep it holy today. And engage the service. Get your word out. Get your Bible out. And engage me this morning as I speak the truth and the encouragement that God has for you. And you in present here. Same with you. Don't just go through the motions. I know right now our numbers are a little slim. It looks great today, I'll be honest with you. But I want to encourage you. This is a time that we need to press in. This is a time we cannot afford to let our guard down. This is not a time to be discouraged. Let's look our, put our eyes upon the Lord and let's focus on Him. He's who we need. He's who we need today. So anyway, so let's look here real quick. Do you mind? I didn't start with a joke last week. Maybe I need to lighten the moment up for just a moment. Uh, what I, I went to the dentist this week, and it was time. Is my five? I go every year, twice a year, but it's time to get X-rays. And, and and I found out something I didn't know. I found out what dentist calls the dentist calls their X-rays. They don't call them X-rays anymore. Did you know that? No, they call them toothpicks. Come on, that was good. 
some of y'all, Shelby, toothpicks, as in picks, this picture. Shelby's back there going, well, I don't get that. Sorry, had to call you out there, Miss Shelby. I could see you, but you got it. Tooth, toothpicks, sorry. See, that's what happens when we don't have a big crowd. I can see your faces, and I can say, what? Okay, totally awesome but useless information. No word in the English language rhymes with, with the word month, orange, silver, or purple. And now I've lost every one of you because right now you're striving to find a word to rhyme with one of those words. I know you are. Very good, very good. Well, I began this series, and, and it's, it's a timely series on the altar. The name of this series is Being Altered by the Altar. Are you being, are you being altered by the altar? And we've been, we've been looking at the idea last week of the altar. And, and, and if you missed last week's sermon, I, I've heard several people come to me and tell me how encouraging it was and how they began to make an altar this week in their personal life and with the difference it's made. And, and I give God praise. That's just confirmation that God knows what he's doing, even with a, a guy like me. So I praise God. But we learned last week very quickly that altar, the altar is God's idea. And you need to remember that, the altar. Obviously, I, I'm not going to uh, repeat everything last week, but just understand the idea of having an altar in your life is God's idea. It's the place that God wants. He said, make for me an altar. And when you do, I'm going to come and I'm going to bless you. So it's a place of encounter with God. If you don't have an altar, then you're not encountering God. God says, that's the place I'm going to encounter you. It is the place that I'm going to bless you. So we learned that last week. It's God's idea. It's a, God, it's a place that God takes death in the Old Testament. Remember? Put a sacrifice and it brings life. And it's the same way in the New Testament. The death is the death of you. The death of your desires. The death of your flesh. Even the death of handing over your dreams to God. And when you do that at an altar, he brings life. It's always been a place of salvation and a place of revival for God's people. Well today we're going to be looking at a story the story of Gideon in the book of Judges. Now, if you came to Sunday school as a child, as a young person, or even as an adult, you probably know the story of Gideon. But just to let you off the hook for a minute, or really it's a spoiler alert, I'm not going to really preach on how God defeated the enemies of Israel. At least not in the sense of how he took Gideon and made him a great man of valor. I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to really talk about the fleeces. They may be mentioned in there. Those are all we know about that. But what God has led my heart on, and by the way, spoiler alert, God defeats the enemies of, of the Israelites. Okay, so there's your spoiler. But what God has laid on my heart to speak to this fellowship, those who are watching online today, whoever God has ordained to hear my voice today, is not so much of, of the end of the story, but how do the Israelites get to a place where the, their enemies overtake them and oppress them? And then how did God get them to a place where he was able to come in and defeat their enemies? Because if you have enemies in your life, God says, I will fight that battle for you. But if you have enemies in your life, you have to ask the question, how did they get here? Why are they here? And what can I do? What, what is my responsibility in this battle? And so we're going to look at that. But before we do, we're going to look at Judges chapter 2. We're going to begin there. This is not the story of Gideon, but it really is the story of the book of Judges. And it's a sad, it's one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible. It's Judges chapter 2, verse 10. It said, all that generation also were gathered to the fathers. Talking about those who had passed on, those who had crossed over with Joshua, crossed to Jordan into the promised land, and it says, and there rose another generation. So a generation rose up after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for 
Israel. That is a sad statement in the Word of God. Somebody wasn't doing their job. Somebody wasn't passing on the Word. They didn't have the written Word in hand as we do. They had the Torah, obviously. It was kept in the temple. But the point of the matter is, they knew the stories. It was their responsibility, that to, as, as God told Moses, to put the commandments on the doorposts of your home. Speak to your children about it. Somebody dropped the ball on a generation because that the children of Israel fell into sin and fell into evil. And it says in verse 11, And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. Can I say something this morning, church, as I was praying this week? I know that right now with the, with the COVID precautions and people being sick, and COVID has become like Hurricane Michael. I know I just cussed in the house of God here. We got tired of hearing about Michael, and we're tired of hearing about COVID, but it's a real thing that is affecting our church. And one of the ways, this is, not, this is part of my message, but I just feel like God would have me share this with you today. Part of that is people aren't able to come whether they're sick or whether they have precautionary health reasons why they can't come. And because of that, we're hurting right now in an area of our church that is very important for the next generation. Our toddler room, because people being sick or people having to quit for whatever reason, no harm, no foul, we need some people to step up right now because there's a generation of young people that's coming up and that, and that nursery and that toddler room church. And I know you said, Pastor, what does it got to do with anything? It has to do very much with the story we're going to read today in this life. We have to spread on. And I'm just asking, if you're able to give one Sunday a month for a couple, for, uh, one Sunday a month for a couple months until our regular workers come back, please see Miss Sheila today. Share in that burden of raising our kids Sharing the burden of sharing the Word of God with our children. It's vital. I, I do not want to stand before God one day and say, you dropped the ball at Bear Creek because there's a generation who came up behind you that knew not the works that I did in this church 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, the works that I did in your life, and they don't know me because nobody taught them. Church, if I've got to go teach that class, I've got 20 plus years of children's ministry. I'll do it. That's vital. That's vital. So anyways, the people did what was evil inside the Lord. Let's be careful not to do that. If you were to read the entire book of Judges, you would find this statement seven times. The people did evil in the sight of the Lord. Each time this happened, what would happen was is when they did this evil, a time of judgment would come upon the people. God would send their enemies. Or really, a better way to do it is, is that God would lift his hand to protection. You know that to get God's blessings, you've got to walk in obedience to Him. You have to walk in relationship with Him. If you don't, the Old Testament calls it curses come upon you. Reality is, is God has to, He has to. It's mandated. He has to pull His hand of protection, and then those things come upon you. And that's what we find here. Each time, the enemies of God people would come up, and God would allow them, would send them to come upon them, and then God would raise up a judge, a deliverer for Israel. We know you look at, you look at several of them. Huldah was one of them. We know that the Sam, prophet Samuel was the last judge who was also a prophet who anointed King to be Saul, eventually anointed David to be Saul. If you even go before that, you know you got Samson. He was a deliverer. He was a judge, someone that God would send to deliver this people. This was a habitual act, though. It happened over and over and over. For over 300 years, these people were in and out of, we'll call it bondage or affliction or oppression from their enemies. It's really a sad commentary on the history of Israel. Well, chapter 6 opens the same way. Chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Once again, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian 
seven years. So once again, the Israelites did evil, and God allowed the Midianites to rule over the Israelites for seven years. And it was a terrible time. The Midianites had this tendency to come down during the harvest time. They would come down and they would infiltrate the, the, the villages and the settlements of the Israelites. They'd come in and out of fear, there's that word again, out of fear, they would run to the strongholds, they would run to the mountains, they'd run to the caves and hide out of fear of losing their lives. And the Midianites, the verse, I think it's verse 7, verse 5 there, says, verse 5 comes in and says, they were like locusts. They would come in and they would take the harvest and they would take the livestock and they would destroy the villages. They left it in ruins and it was a terrible time of oppression. It was a terrible time of fear. It is a terrible time of poverty in the history, in the lives of the Israelites. Judges 6 says this, verse 6, an Israelite was brought very low, very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. Something the Lord laid on my heart as I was preparing this message, it was kind of a stop moment in my study time and I really I really looked at this, and this is the gist of the message today. People cried out to God for help, but they did not cry out for forgiveness. The people cried out for help, but did not cry out for forgiveness. They, they either didn't see the cause of the demise they were in, or they would not acknowledge the cause of the demise they were in. So God sends a prophet. Faithfulness of God. He sends a prophet to tell them why they're being harassed and why they're being terrorized. Verse 6. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midians, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppress you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. There's no reason for you to have fear. But, he says, you have not obeyed my voice. They cried out for help, but never repented at this point for what they had done. And God comes along with a prophet and puts his finger on the problem. You have disobeyed my voice. From the beginning, God had told his people there had no reason to fear the enemies, no reason to fear the gods, no reason to fear the beasts of the field, no reason to fear the armies of the people, the land that you're about to protect. He says what? He says, I will be your protector. I will be your provider. I will be your salvation. I will be your helper. I will be that strong tower you can run into. I will be the one who fights the enemies for you. I will fight your battles. I will defeat them. You have nothing to fear but me, God says. And that fear isn't, oh God, I'm afraid. We misinterpret that. It's a reverence. It's an obedience. It's a relational type of, of word that we're, when we fear the Lord, we are honoring His word. and We're walking in obedience to His word. And we're having relationships with the Lord. It says, but they did not obey the Lord. So He allowed their enemies to drive them back to Him. He allowed the enemy, the Midianites, to come in and drive them back to him. What was this great evil they kept falling back into? It was the worship of the Baals. It says it right there. Now, Baals is a generic word for gods. 
There's a lot of false gods that the, the, the people of the land that they came, the, uh, the promised land, they came and conquered their gods and, the, and their enemies around them. And, 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 and what happened was is they began to worship the Baals. And, and it's really, it's an inclusive word that really talks about the spirit behind the idols. We know there's no power in a wooden idol. There's no power in a wooden idol. The power is the spirit behind that worship and today we would call it the spirit of antichrist and the whole purpose of the spirit of antichrist is to come in he wants to come in and distract him he came in distracting his lights from serving god and in that same spirit of satan is doing and wants to do the same thing to god's people today he wants to distract god's people from truly worshiping the lord walking in obedience to the lord and, and, and living in that fear and respect of the lord and the whole purpose is there is to distract us from being the people god has called us to be to get us, to get them to worship things and prevent them from worshiping him and which undermines their faith and trust in him. Okay? I want you to think for just a minute. If we're living in fear, what is the source of that fear? We, we, I mean, that's an honest question today. What are you in fear of and what's the source of that fear? Does not God's word have an answer for whatever you are facing? So what we have to do is understand this and, and, and trust and have faith in the Lord. And see, I see this all the time. I see this all the time in the church. The spirit of Baal, the spirit of Antichrist, it comes in, distracts a child of God, infiltrates his or her life, and, and comes along and, and they get distracted by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And they come along before long, they don't realize it, but they've been distracted and they're no longer making God first in their lives. They still believe in God. They still believe in God. They still know God is real. But what's happened is, is they've been distracted by these things that, that this world system, that the spirit of Antichrist has put before them. And before long, they have no time for God. They no longer worship at the altar of God, but begin worshiping the things of the world and putting them first in their lives and trusting in those things. See? Knowing better. What happens is they are living a life of unbelief. I want you to understand that today, child of God. If you're not walking in obedience to God, if God is not first in your life, if you're out here getting caught up in the worldly system, and I'm not saying things are bad, it's the worship of things are bad. We know that. I'm not here to start pinpointing certain things in people's life because if I pinpoint certain things, if I don't mention something that's in your life, you may say, well, he didn't mention it. That's not an idol, right? But we know that money is not wrong. Having money is not wrong, having things, but it's the love of those things. It's the worship of things, those things that get in our way. And before long, what we have done is we've forsaken the altars of God and we are now bowing at the altars of Baal and we're giving our time, our efforts, and our resources to them. And we no longer worship God. And what happens is, when we stop believing what God says, doubt enters in, we stop believing in His Word, and for long, you're living in fear because of the calamity in your life. Fear. I want you to think about that. Fear. What is the root of your fear? What is behind your fear? We know in the Word, God did not give us the spirit of fear. So we have to understand if you're riddled in fear, fear is a natural response, but not a spiritual response. And when the natural response is fear, we have to quickly engage the spirit's response. See? 
This is the way the spirit of Antichrist has operated since the beginning, since the garden. Think about in the garden of Eden. God had spoke. We know that story. God spoke to Adam. Don't eat, eat anything. Everything is for you except for one tree. The fruit of the knowledge of the good and evil. Don't eat of that. And what does Satan come along and do? Satan comes along and he twists God's word and he starts making Eve think about, what. well, God just don't want you to be equal with him. God doesn't want you to have this. God doesn't want you to be knowledgeable. And before long, he has convinced her to doubt the word of God. Come on, somebody. And when she doubted the word of God or started walking in disobedience to the word of God, she sinned, she bowed down to the spirit of Antichrist, to Satan, in the sense that she ate of the free. And what did it do to her and Adam when they did that? Fear entered their lives. They hid from God because they doubted God's word. That's the way the enemy works. We are told in Galatians 6 that we're to put on the whole armor of God, and we are to be aware of the schemes of the enemy. We are to be prepared for his attack and be aware of how he operates. He's operated this way from the beginning, and yet we still keep falling into the temptation of not allowing God to be first in our lives, and we're bowing down to the idols of Baal. Baal. Doubt and fear. That's the primary purpose of the spirit of Antichrist, to plant that in your mind. God is not who he said he is. He, that's the spirit of Antichrist. That God did not say what he said. That's the spirit of Antichrist. That God will not do what he said he will do. That God will not answer my prayer. That God, you know, this, came, this was something that came across to me this week, and I mentioned it Wednesday night. And, and there again, I apologize to my Wednesday night Bible study class. You guys are A class, and, and I didn't, I, I started off with this, but I want to, this has been something that's been on my mind. Why doesn't the people, God's people, pray anymore? I mean, I'm more than just say, Lord, bless this day. Thank you, Lord, bless this day. I'm not, why don't we ever press in anymore? Why don't we ever really seek the Lord anymore? And I know that's a blanket, broad statement because some of you might be doing it. But overall, it, I don't feel like the people of God really press in and pray like my grandmother used to do, like my dad still does, and, and those who came before us. And, and I've come down to believe we don't pray anymore because we don't believe God answers prayer anymore. Can I be honest with you? If you believe God answered prayers, you would be praying. Come on, somebody. I told you you got to help me today. This is, this is a hard medicine to swallow today. But I want you, you say, well, what do you mean by prayer? I'm talking about sincerely getting on your knees before the Lord, making an altar in your life, and seeking out the Lord, spending fellowship with the Lord. Yes, interceding for those who are in need, interceding for our nation. I just feel like church, we don't believe in prayer anymore. You say, well, God's not answering my prayer. You don't know that. That's doubt. And now you're living in fear. The truth of the matter is, oh, this hurts, I know. The truth of the matter is, we don't go to God till we have no other choice. And then we wonder, God, where are you? And God says, I've been here the whole time. Where have you been? How many trials and tribulations could come to a shorter end if we had just sought the Lord, sought the wisdom of God, appeared and let the Holy Spirit illuminate our lives and, and examine our lives? Maybe the trials and tribulations are brought on by our actions. Getting ahead of myself. We'll go there in a minute. See, when you start doubting the Word of God and you stop trusting the Lord, you start living your life for Him. You start living your life for you. And you eventually, your life is filled with fear. And this is what happened to the Israelites. They stopped believing the Word of the Lord. They doubted Him and thereby disobeyed Him. And they did evil in His sight. And they lived in doubt and fear. Look at verse 12 for me just a minute. You doubt for a minute. 
Look, look, look what happens with the conversation between the angel and Gideon. Verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Man, if the, if the angel of the Lord told me that, I'm going to believe it, right? And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord, excuse me, please, my Lord, yes, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Doubt and fear. The angel of the Lord said, The Lord is with you. Where is he at? Why hasn't he shown up? Where are the miracles? Where's the deliverance? Where's my provision? Where are my answers? He's doubting. And he's in fear. Do you know where he's at during this time? He's in a wine press, hiding from the Midianites, grinding his, his wheat, his, his harvest, whatever his harvest was, and hiding it. He is literally living in a basement, hiding in fear, and he's questioning God. He's doubting what God... God sends an angel to the man. He's living in fear. But God loves his people, doesn't he? And that's why he had to turn them over to the hands of the enemy. See? He loved his people. He had to turn them over to the hands of their enemies. We overlook this aspect of God's loving character, don't we? We, we, we have got God so much in a box compartment, we don't, even, we don't even read the full counsel of the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 3, 11 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Hmm. For the Lord removes, reproves him who he loves and his father, the son, in whom he delights. And see, we're no different than the Israelites. We go through terrible times like we are right now. It's terrible time. I didn't think it could get any worse than Hurricane Michael. Sorry for using that name in the house of God. I never thought it could get worse than that. And, and you know what? And here we are and we're begging God for help when in fact maybe we might need to be asking God for forgiveness. I know this is a tough pill to swallow this morning. I have to be obedient to the Spirit of God. Could it be that God is trying to get this world's attention? If his, if his son's returning soon, if that trumpet sounds just moments away in God's timing, wouldn't you think God would do all He could to bring the world to their knees, to acknowledge Him, and to know Him, and to cry out to Him? Could it be that God is trying to turn this country around? Is it time for this country to turn around? We're, we're on the blade of a knife. We're on the head of a pin right now. We're teetering. Is, it, is that what God is trying to do? Could it be that God has lifted His hand of protection so that the church will repent? Hmm. So the church will fall on her knees. So the church will turn her eyes back to Him. Repentance, judgment begins in the house of God. We fuss, we fuss over so much trivial stuff in the church that has no eternal value. There's only two things that matter to God. That's reaching the lost and building disciples. And yet we, we chase after glory. We chase after headlines. We chase after big crowds. We, we chase after projects and, and God's Maybe, is it that God is just trying to say, church, you are a bride prepared. I'm preparing you for my son. Get on your knees. 
repent and turn back to me. I, I'm th- think about the church in, in Revelation. Return to your first love. I see the works that you're doing. They're great works. But there's no spiritual value to them because you've left your first love. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I am. Is it possible we've stopped believing God and done evil in His sight? For I can judge the world, for I can judge our nation. It has to begin with the house of God. I mean, we have to admit, look, look around our nation, what's happening in our country, the turmoil, the division, the violence that's happening from coast to coast. Trust me, these words were penned on Tuesday, not knowing what Thursday would bring. Look at COVID. I'm not saying God has caused this plague, but what I'm saying that there's no way we can deny that God has not stopped it. Come on, church, let's be real. God has not stopped it. He's not the one who brings evil upon us, but he is the one who can lift his hand to protection, provision, direction. He, he is, he, there is a message loud and clear being wrong. Are we hearing it today is the question. Maybe it's time for the church to fall back on her face and seek the God that forgives for his forgiveness and be his church. See, I believe if we'll trust his word, believe his word, we'll do that. We don't have to live in fear. Pinned on Tuesday before. I don't know what the song selections are. Do you see the underlying message? I didn't know there was going to be a gift of interpretation. I didn't know Brother Glenn was going to share in my office this morning what the Lord laid on him, what he communicated to him. We don't have to live in fear. We're more than conquerors. God's already gone before us. The battle's won. We just have to be in right relationship with God. We just have to be where He has called us, desires, and wants us to be in an individual relationship and as a church as a whole. See, do you hear, I'm not the prophet nor the son of a prophet, but do you hear what the angel, the messenger of God is saying to you today? You online today, do you hear what God is saying to you? I hope that you are engaging this message because God ordained you to click on this message today in this service. Do you hear what God is saying? I hope I'm getting some amens online because I'm not getting any amens right now in person. If you're online, give me an amen. Wave your hand. Do some praying. Give me something to let let me know you're engaged with this message this morning. been a heavy burden this week it begins with me to the prophet so the prophet made it clear thus says the Lord they have disobeyed God in other words repentance was needed they need to repent of their evil ways but God said they there's something else they had to deal with There's something else that they had to deal with before God would destroy the enemies of their life. He says, there is a root to the problem here. There's something that has to be done. Until we deal with the root of the problem, all the crying in the world isn't going to do anything. Do you understand that? Until you deal with the root of the problem in your life of adultery, God cannot come and rescue you. Do you understand that, church? 
We have to deal with the idols in our lives. We have to tear down the altars we have built to the idol. The things that has the heart. See, this is a series on altars. And I feel like today that this is what God is telling us as a church, as individuals that make up this church, Bear Creek Assembly God. I can't speak to the other churches. Maybe you're watching online and, and your church don't have Facebook or messages online. Or maybe God, listen, this message is for you today. It's time that we bring down the altars in our lives that have been retro directed to the idols in our lives. So the angel of the Lord instructed Gideon to pull down the altars of Baal and build an altar to God. Judges 6, 25. That night the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and the second bull seven years old and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has. Oh, parents, do you hear that? His father's idols, his father's altar to the Baal affected Gideon. Gideon is living in fear because of the idols and the unbelief that his father allowed in his family. Boy, it's a great Mother's Day, Father's Day message. Pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that's beside it. These are the poles of worship, the God Asherah. And build an altar to the Lord your God your God, make him your God, the top of the stronghold there, on top of the stronghold there, with stones laid in due order, then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the asher that you shall cut down. God told Gideon, hey, get your daddy's bull and go tear down this altar that he has erected to Baal the Baal, and get an axe and cut down these poles. Use this material to build an altar to the Lord. Take down those altars to those false gods, tear them down, and whatever materials, whatever resources, whatever time that you have spent at that altar, take that and erect an altar to God. Do you hear the message that Gideon's getting from this angel of the Lord here this morning? It's interesting is if you read ahead of, or just before that, the night before Gideon had encountered the same angel, and Gideon says, let me make a sacrifice unto you. The night before the angel said this, Gideon makes an altar, so to speak. He places a rock there, and he makes a meal for this angel, and it's a sacrifice, a place of worship, a place of encounter with God through his angel, and the angel then touches it, and it becomes a fire. He consumes it. He says, this bull, these cakes, this is, this is a sacrifice that is acceptable to God, and he consumes the sacrifice. I want you to understand that. What are you trying to point out, Pastor? The night before the angel told him to tear down his altars, he had made an altar. But what God was saying is, you can't have two altars and two idols and two gods in your home and your life. Do you, do you see the prophetic message here today for us, church? You can't, we know you cannot serve two masters. And God is saying, before I can come in and deliver you, you have to get rid of the idols. You have to tear down the altars that you have erected to these false gods. And you need to make a place of encounter with me where I, you can get on your face and make sacrifice to me. I will come to you then and I will bless you and I will be your God. I'll be your provider. I'll be your protection. I'll be your source. Oh, church. He's not going to share the throne of your heart, the lordship of your heart with anything other than him. He's not going to share it. 
Exodus 23, you shall have no other gods before me. Now we, we look at that and think that we can have other gods. That's not what that means. If you really look at that in the original context, in the original Hebrew, it means you should not have any gods. It's not a misprint. It's not a misprint. It's not wrong. But we get the idea, well, I can have other things in my life that are important to me that I can worship. And you don't realize that you're worshiping. And God said, no, I have to be. You shall not make for yourself a graved image of any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the, under, the water under the sea. And may I say that's on your TV or things that you want on the, on the car lot or things that you see on, on the internet. You, you, should make no, you shouldn't build any idols or altars to these things. You should not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting iniquity of the fathers on the children. That's what Gideon is encounter. To the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. God sees that when you have another altar or idol, something that gets your worship, something that gets your affection, if it comes before God, that includes your kids and your grandkids, by the way, and your, and your granddog. I know that I keep saying this. I don't apologize. I'm being obedient today. But God says those things cannot, they should not give the attention and the love and the admiration and the affection that is due me. It doesn't mean you can't love them. It just means they can't come before God. You don't worship them. Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, and Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. The entirety of yourself should be dedicated to the worship, to the love, to living for the Lord, trusting him, living by his word, fearing him is the Old Testament word. You need to get the bull, pull down those altars of those false gods in your life. Whatever comes first in your life, it's not the living God. It's a false God. And I promise you, you are sacrificing something on that idol. I can tell you right now, and there again, this is not against, this is, I don't even have in my notes about material things, but I just feel, Lord, I once heard, I think it was um, Dave Ramsey, or one of those financial experts, says, I can tell what the priority of your life is by looking at your checkbook. For some of us, it's food. For some of us, it's whatever. Because always God deals with me during this time of fasting about the importance of food in my life. And I confessed it to my wife. I think food is a God in my life because I just love food. And I've got to repent of that. And I've got two refrigerators and a freezer. Amen. In my home, it's like, God? <laughs> Anyways. You're sacrificing something that belongs to God. And you're worshiping something that worship belongs to God alone. Get the bull and town down the altars. Now, you're probably wondering what I mean by the bull. And I heard one time, um, oh gosh, David Wilkerson. He used this term. He, all, he, he many times would refer to the Holy Spirit as the bull of God. The power of God, the strength of God, the one who goes before you and plows. And I think that's what we need to do. I, I think here that this means that for us today that we need to take the power of the Holy Spirit, be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and, and tear down the altars that we have built up in our life. It's only through the power 
of the Holy Spirit. First, it takes the Holy Spirit to illuminate it to you. Because I guarantee you, I look out here in this congregation, and I know just about every one of you personally. Some of you not as well as others. And I think, I'm pretty sure that I know you well enough to know that you would not intentionally erect altars and worship false gods. Because we know that that's wrong. So it might be you have to be it on your knees. Not might be, you should make an altar unto the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to come in and to illuminate where this is at, what you need to do. See, you must acknowledge there's an altar and then you need to access the power of the Holy Spirit to pull down those altars. See, those strongholds, those altars are, are not necessarily places. They may be represented by things. They can be represented by things. Don't get me wrong. We, we, erect, we erect idols to things and memorabilia, things like that. But it's really a place in your mind, see. Remember, the, in, from the Old Testament, New Testament, the altar of God went from being a physical thing to being a place in you. Your altar, you can make an altar physically anywhere. Come on, are you with me? Last week's message. You can make an altar anywhere, but reality is you, within your mind, your spirit, your will, you have to will yourself to bow down at that altar. It's really a place inside. And when we start worshiping false gods and we start erecting altars to these false gods, what happens is it, then it opens the door for the enemy to raise up strongholds in your life. Come on, somebody. We're bridging into the New Testament, what we're told by Paul. And we have to understand that because when strongholds come in our lives, then we start bowing down to those false gods. See, what, see how it works? And it could be anything. I don't want to start getting specific because I don't want to leave anything out. I want the Holy Spirit to deal with you with what your idol or false god might be if you have one. I will say this. Most of the time it comes from the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We know that. That's the root of it. It's that spirit of Antichrist. So you build the altar of Baal, the Antichrist, when you doubt God. And it creates fear and strongholds in your life. You use the power of the Holy Spirit along with the word of God. And pull down those thoughts of unbelief and fear. Because they have become strongholds in your life. Gideon, the people of Israel, children of Israel, they had strongholds in their life. They were full of fear and doubt. Tear it down and build an altar to the Lord, remembering what he has done for you and what he has promised he will do for you. Remember what the Lord has said about you. Go to the word. Know what the Lord has said about you, about his children, about his people. The Lord is with you. The angel told Gideon, the Lord is with you. The, can I tell you today, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you today. And you know what? That's all I have to know. That's all I have to know. If the Lord is with me and the Lord is for me, then who can be against me? Come on, church. See, remove the doubt and unbelief and replace it with God. As the worship team is coming back, I want to close with this. What I, what I love about the story of Gideon, and, and we'll, I'll get you to the end of the story. But what I love about the story of Gideon is God's love and mercy that is on display. This seems kind of harsh that God would do all that he do, allowed all that he had allowed, but it's because of his love and his mercy and even his patience. See, God loved his people. God loved Gideon. God loves you. Don't forget that. God loves you. And that's why he allowed the Midianites 
to come in against them. God wanted them to return to Him. His love is evident in the fact that He sent a prophet to warn them, to tell them of their condition. His love is on display because God sent an angel to Gideon to encourage Gideon. God demonstrated His love by defeating the enemies of God's people at the end of this particular story. He loved them, but God was also patient with Gideon. I want you to understand that today. God doesn't hate you. He loves you. And he is being patient with his church, with his bride, with his children. He was patient. Even after a conversation with an angel, Gideon doubted God. We went over that. Even after the angel consumed with fire the meal that Gideon had prepared for him, he doubted God. If you know the rest of the story, you know he put out two fleeces. God, if this is you, then this piece of wool, let it be covered in water and the round of ground around it be dry. And it says, if you read the rest of the story, he wrung out and had a bowl of water the next morning out of that wool, but the ground around it was dry. But he still doubted God. He said, God, please be merciful to your servant. But if this is really you, then please this morning, next morning, tomorrow morning, allow the fleece to be dry or the wool and the ground be wet. And he woke up the next morning and there's a muddy mess around him, but the wool was dry, see. God was patient. God was patient with Gideon and worked on Gideon because God wanted to use him to defeat the enemies of God's people. He wants to do the same with you. God loves you and he's patient with his people. He wants you to tear down the false altars to the false gods and he wants to deliver you from your unbelief, your doubt, and the fear right now that seems to be so encompassing God's people. He wants to pull down the strongholds in your life. And may I say something? I have the privilege of knowing most of you personally, like I said, and I know the strongholds some of y'all have in your life. And God, I believe today, is talking to you. He's ready to pull those down in your life. Those things that are controlling you that are not of God. I'm serious, church. If God is who he says he is, and he's real, and he's on the throne, and he loves his people, and, he, and we can cry out to him and we can, and we can repent and then God's going to do what he says he's going to do and I believe today he wants to deliver some people from their strongholds those things that are keeping them captive those faults, the things that the spirit of antichrist is consuming them with and filling them full of fear he wants to pull them down see I believe that God is still who he says he is he's still my protector He's still my provider. He's still a place, a person I can run to. And he's still the God of love, peace, and joy. See, because I can honestly look at our church and I can look at our nation. I can look at the Christians. And there's something we seem to be lacking, broad stroke, not everybody I know. But as a whole, we're lacking peace. We're lacking joy right now. Come on. You know you are. And God says, I want to deliver that from you today. Well, you know the rest of the story. You know that God trimmed down the army of Gideon from 32,000 men to 300 men. And defeated the massive army of Midian. And what is God telling us through that? God's telling us it won't take much. If you just have faith and confidence in your Lord and follow his direction, be obedient to him. If we will just tear down the false altars in our life and doubt and unbelief and rebuild the altar of God in our life. If we'll just do that and have faith and trust in Him, then the Lord God will come in amongst us 
and we'll see some great victories in our lives, in our church, in our nation, in the world. I believe that. Listen, either we're going to start believing it or we're going to continue to live in fear. And I refuse to live in fear. Second Chronicles 7.14, you guys know it. We've heard a lot since this plague began. Simply says, my people, if. I often looked at that as just the way I think God made me. I'm not saying the way I look at it is the correct way. But I sense God just saying, if. If. You know, it's kind of like my boys when they're growing up. If you just do your chores, look at all that you can have. You get an allowance, you get freedom, you get a car, you get your insurance, you get food. If you just do what you're supposed to do, guys, right? You all ever have a come to Jesus meeting with your children? Yeah. It's just like, guys, if. And I feel like that's what it's like. God is saying, if you guys who are called by my name, I've called you. Get rid of the pride of life and humble yourself. Come on. What prevents you from kneeling at an altar? Oh, my knees hurt, my back hurt. I get it. There's physical ailments at times. There's physical things. But most of us just, we, we look for excuse because it's a pride. He says, but if you'll do that and you'll humble yourself and pray, not just humble yourself, and pray. Pray to me and seek my face, not my hand, not my provision. Listen, if you're in right relationship with God and you're praying, you're spending time with Him, those are no-brainers. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If my people who are called by my name just humble themselves and pray, and what? Seek me. Seek my face. And what? Turn. Turn from what? Their wicked ways. See, judgment, repentance begins in the house of God, church. We can cry out for help all we want to, but we, it's time for us to repent, tear down the altars we have erected to these false gods in our life. Put our focus back on Him. Come on. If you're watching online this morning, you need to be making an altar right now, somewhere in your house. Be making an altar. It's time for us to come together and to repent. Then, He says, when you do that, when you do what? When you're my people, and you humble yourself before me, and you, you pray, you seek me, and you seek me, and then you turn. See, when we seek Him, it's the Holy Spirit, the bull of God, comes in and illuminates what we need to repent from. And when you repent of your wicked ways, not, not, not the government, not, not the people out there who, don't, who aren't called by my name, those who aren't my children yet, they're lost. No, I'm talking about my people. You turn from your wicked ways and repent. And I tell you something, we need to repent for our nation. Need to repent for our lips, but we need to be re- interceding, repent for. And when you do that, he goes on to say, then, then, after that, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. You know, there's a lost art in the church today of altar calls. Can I tell you what I've worked more than anything the last couple of weeks is how to open these altars. And you know what? I've come to realize that I cannot bring condemnation down on you. I cannot make you. I can, but I don't want to. I don't want you to feel guilty. I want you to feel the yearn of the Holy Spirit to make an altar somewhere today. And don't make it just today. Make it every day. Tear down those idols. Tear down those altars. Erect an altar in your life to God. 
It can be a consistent place every day. But if it's not, you find a time wherever you're at and you spend time with God. And every day, let this be your mantra. I am going to seek your face, God, and I'm going to repent of my evil ways. And I'm going to repent of the evil ways of my nation. I'm going to repent of the evil ways of my family. I'm going to repent of the evil ways of my friends. I'm going to be in a state of repentance, God, because I want to see healing come in my life. But it begins with you. It begins with each one of us humbling ourselves before the Lord. When we do that, we do it all. God's going to heal. Heal you. Heal our church. Heal our community. Heal our nation. And I believe God can heal this world. It looks hopeless from the carnal. Can I be honest with you? This week it looks hopeless. But I'm still believing in a great revival. I have not stopped believing that because His Word says there's going to be a great outpouring of His Spirit. Why not let it begin at little old Bear Creek in Northern Bay County off of North Bear Creek Road? Why not us? I promise you, we can't make God do it, but if we do what He tells us to do, He will show up in our altar time and He's going to leave a blessing for you. Amen. Father God, I love you and I thank you, God, for the freedom to speak honestly today to your people. Lord, I know without a shadow of a doubt, God, as I do every week, but I definitely within my spirit right now know, Father, that this is a word for such a time as this, for this this church, and really for this community and this county. God, we can be an influence in this county. God, there's no reason why this church can't be an influence in this county, but God, it begins with us humbling ourselves before you and seeking the Lord. And yes, tearing down the altars we have erected to the false gods in our lives and doing away with burning them God on the altar that we erect to you in our lives and I ask that God that you help us today Lord right now would you somewhere whether it's at your seat these altars up here I know we need a social distance physical distance so please try to remember that but look come make a place to seek the Lord let's spend a few moments this morning it's only 12 o'clock I did good it's 12 o'clock let's spend some time this morning seeking the face of God allowing the bull of the Holy Spirit to come in to your life and show you where you need to pull down the strongholds in your life and the false altars in your life. Will you make an altar this morning? At the end of it, if you need special prayer, we'll be praying for those who need special prayer today. But let's spend some time right now in these altars. Make an altar. Move somewhere. Bend there where you're at. Turn around. I don't care. Lay on your face. Whatever you have to do, will you join me this morning in erecting an altar?
It's r i g h 
special prayer for those who are in need um, I just want to speak once again before we say farewell to our folks who are watching online I want to encourage you if you have a need in your life I want to encourage you to post it or message the church so that we can be in prayer for you I know many of you are struggling and I want you to know that we haven't forgotten you we love you but if you'll just let us know message to church know that Monday night at 6 o'clock we have online prayer time on our Facebook and so if you can't make it here in person I want to encourage you online once again join us and you can post your needs there we just want, don't want you to think you've been forgotten you're still part of this church and we still love you we look for the day that many of you are able to return but I want to remind all of us just one last thought before we have prayer special needs the word the Lord laid in my heart as I was praying and repenting. Re- the word repentance means to turn. Yes. It doesn't mean that you repent. And I think that's where the altars come in. It doesn't mean that you repent and then you go back to doing the iniquity. The, the habitual sinning. Alter your it alters your course. The altar should alter your life. It should alter your course. And so when you do that, I think that's part of the repentance is before you could turn, destroy the altars, tear down the idols, repent, and don't go back there ever again. That's the stronghold. Pull it down. Don't go back. Because anybody who has any type of habitual acts in their life, things that they are in bondage to, will know that for a period of time they can get away from that and they do fine. But if they ever turn back to it, it's got them again. See? And that's not just true about alcohol and drugs. That's true about anything, any activity that is a bondage, that is a not of God. That's the spirit of Antichrist.
And what you do when you go to that, back to that, you're now doubting God's word. We said you shouldn't do that. And you're doubting the fact that God says, I will lift my hand of provision protection for you. And you are literally putting your hands back into the hands of the enemy of God. And see, we see that all the time in the church, don't we? I'm saying, tear it down, burn it. And may I say this? There may be something in your home that represents a false god or idol in your life. We know there's no power in that object, but we know there's power behind what you do, the worship, the the adoration you give it. It might be that you have to get rid of that. It could be a relationship in your life. No, wives, you cannot get rid of your husbands. I don't mean that. But the reality is there may be some relationships in your life that you've got to get away from. Doesn't mean you don't love that person, don't care about them. There may be a time where you might be able to reach them for the kingdom of God, but if they have that kind of influence in your life, you need to break ties. Amen. Well, I'm going to say goodbye to our online campus as we go to prayer for our special needs. Love you guys. Hope to see you guys soon. God bless. Thanks so much for being here online with us today. If today's message touched you and you haven't given your life to Jesus, we believe today is the day. All you have to do is pray. Admit to God that you have sinned. Believe that Jesus died for you. And confess that Jesus is Lord of your life. If you prayed that prayer to God today, please reach out to us and let us know. We have some digital resources that we would love to send your way to help you and for us to be able to connect with you. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on Facebook and Instagram. Make sure to like and subscribe and share our social media accounts. We believe that church is more than just a building or a Sunday experience. We look forward to connecting with you online and in person. Thanks again for being with us today.